Welcome to the Grace-Based Family Podcast. We're We're your your hosts, hosts, Karis Murray and Michelle Brook. This is a podcast where we look at the power of grace in the everyday lives of families. We're excited for you to listen in on the conversation. So I feel like in my life, in my story, there's this sort of hard break. There's this hard line. (laughs) And I call it BC line AC. Okay. (laughs) And before children and after children. Sure. And I just feel like the 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 disparity in life experiences on, on the two sides of those lines of that line is is probably the uh, biggest change that I've ever gone through. It's the biggest, you know, has the biggest impact on my identity of of anything mm-hmm. else more than marriage, more than you know where I went to college, more than my profession and mm-hmm. the things that I'm interested in and. Um, that can be really isolating. Yeah. And I think when we are in that place as moms um, and we feel isolated, I think the tendency is to think that we're alone in this feeling of isolation. Right. But um, what I think we're going to learn today and what I have experienced as I've talked to other moms is that that's probably the most common experience of motherhood that we all share mm-hmm. is how isolating it can be. Yeah. Um, you think about before kids. I remember I used to go to happy hours with coworkers all the time. I used to do brunch and shopping with girlfriends on the weekend. And then after kids, yeah, I'm sitting on the couch alone eating chips and salsa, scrolling through Facebook during that yeah. time. Like so nursing lonely. all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if you nurse or even if you bottle feed, it's like you're feeding the baby all the time. Yeah. You're really isolated, locked up at home. It's hard mm-hmm. to go places. And um, for me, I was so young. I was, um, you know, barely, well, I was 21, maybe two weeks away from being 22 when I had my first. And um, I mean, I, I literally was walking around the ASU campus, super pregnant up until like, you know, a month before I had the baby. And so I went from like the college experience to home Mm -hmm. by myself every day. And I know everybody's experience is different, but I think that that feeling of isolation, regardless of your circumstances is so common. Mm -hmm. So that's why we are so excited that we have a guest today. We don't always have guests on our show, but when we do, we prefer that they're kind of a big deal. Yes. I feel like that sort of sounded like a Dos Equis commercial and I didn't <laughs> for that to happen. But, uh, you know, we want to we want to make sure that when we talk to people that they can really weigh in mm-hmm. um, in in a unique and powerful way into these these topics that we all wrestle with. And so, Michelle, why don't you introduce our guest? Yes. So today we are chatting with Heather McFadden. And I am willing to bet her perspective on community is going to leave you with a lot to think about after our talk today. So Heather has been married to her college sweetheart, Bruce, for 16 years. She is the mother to four young boys, and they were all born within six years of each other. Bless you. Holy moly. I know. Yeah, well, I I read six and a half years to the day. Oh, yes, we're going to have to think about that. That her her four boys were were born. born. Oh, Lord, I almost said six boys. I almost gave you two more. (laughs) And on top of all those boys that she's wrangling at home, she hosts the Don't Mom Alone podcast, where she interviews fellow journeyers on the topic of motherhood. 
Her heart is for moms to know God's great delight over them. And through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship, she reminds gals that they don't mom alone. We can't wait for you to hear from her today. Hi, Heather. Welcome to the Grace Based Families podcast. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Yeah, well, we are so excited to talk to you today because I think that you have a lot you can offer um, that can encourage and give hope to moms who might be feeling isolated. Um, and like Michelle said, your, you know, your podcast, your whole brand is called Don't Mom Alone. And what I love is when you go to your your um, podcast page and your website, it says "Don't Mom Alone: An Invitation to Withness." Mm. I love that word "withness." I love making up words, but that is just <laughs> <laughs> that is just so incredible because that is what we all need. Um, so you know, tell us tell us um, the ages of your boys first of all. Okay. So my oldest just turned 14 last week mm-hmm. and 14 for some reason feels way older than 13. Like yeah, I does. remember 14. That's high school huh. ages. Yeah, that feels old. He's in eighth grade, but that feels old. Uh, an almost 12 year old, a 10 year old and a seven year old. And they were born to the exact day, six and a half years. The oldest and youngest share half birthday birthdays. That is incredible. Half birthday. Not on purpose. Right. That's the tongue in cheek. Just like I always wanted. I I didn't. (laughs) We thought it would be hard to have a boy. My husband has three sisters. His dad had four sisters. His grandfather was an only child. So the McFadden name rested on our shoulders as like, is it ending here? Are we going to have all girls? And no. I you am the matriarch. It. I have nailed yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You nailed it. Turn that around. Yeah. 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 The tree just goes out from here. So. <laughs> Good for you guys. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. So I want to talk about, I want to take uh, our listeners back a little bit in case they're okay. not familiar with your story. Um, tell us about, you know, why you started podcasting. And I know you were, uh, you blogged before that and sort of during that. So take us back. What led you to kind of creating what is now one of the top Christian parenting podcasts? I I mean, your, your podcast has been downloaded. I think I was reading, you won't toot your own horn, but it's been, it's been downloaded nearly 7 million times all, all over the world. Like like probably more than that. I think think we just passed 8 million. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Congratulations. So you're as well. You're touching a lot of lives, but take us back. Um, why did you start doing this? Well, it was before Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> before Facebook. We used to uh, write about our lives on our blogs. All of our friends had blogs, and you would, during nap time, update where you went on your little you know, outings that day. You went to the zoo so that extended family could keep up to date, and you could check each other's out and comment on each other's. It was kind of that need you talked about, this isolation. It was our way to connect Uh, before we had Instagram and Facebook. And so I moved from it just being about my family to having this awakening. A friend of mine, Kat Lee, inspired me to wake up before my kids every day, Mm -hmm. which is insane in the membrane. Like, doesn't make sense. You're hardly getting any sleep. And yet I'm going to wake up early and spend time with God. Okay. But I started doing that, and amazingly, God had a few things to say to me about motherhood and my heart and my pride. And so I started writing those things down in a new blog called God-Centered Mom. Mm -hmm. And that led to what I thought was going to be a book um, of the same name with an agent. And that that was seven years ago. I wrote my first um, 
rough draft book proposal for that book. And it just didn't happen. I kept putting it off. I had a new baby. It was just kind of like life. And then there just wasn't space for another blogger to write a book. And so I had already allocated my schedule to write this book and said no to a bunch of things. And I thought, okay, this is dry bones over here. God, what do you have next for me? And that same friend, Kat Lee, and another friend, Katie Orr, had started podcasts. We were in a mastermind group together. And I said, guys, I think I just want to talk like and interview people and interview mentors I have from church and help moms be God-centered moms um, through interviews. And this was six years ago. And so I just started the podcast with, you know, I didn't have fancy mics. I'm still recording in my closet. This is not um, a streamlined operation. It's just uh, me following God's next steps. And the timing of that worked in my favor because podcasts weren't really um, too much of a thing yet. And so then it it took off um, from there, you know, just built slowly friends telling friends and Last year, we rebranded to Don't Mom Alone. Uh, That started because one of my listeners, a mom who was in a small group with some other women, decided to start using the podcast as their curriculum for their small group. So they would listen to the episode on their own. And then when they got together, they would talk about it. And she wrote discussion questions. And it was like a book club but with podcasts. And so we started launching these these podcast clubs with the hashtag Don't Mom Alone. Don't just listen to that podcast on your own. Get together with other moms in real life. And this was kind of an excuse to do that. Um, We kind of gave them permission to get together, to invite people. And even that is so organic and just letting God move and work. And I recently got to know a mom who has started five podcast clubs in her church community. Yeah. And she has this great story of walking along her sidewalk with her daughter. Her daughter was riding her bike. And across the street, she could tell a mom pushing a stroller was listening to the podcast. I don't know. Oh, she <laughs> really know my voice. And so she crossed the street and invited her to one of the podcast clubs. So uh, it's just it's just cool to see how God is so amazing at what he does, which <laughs> shouldn't yeah. surprise us. But when you, you know, point people to him and give people hope and give people uh, truth that they're longing for in a season. Motherhood is such a season of desperation. It gets us to the end of ourselves. And so I think it's a, a time period in our whole timeline where if someone doesn't know Jesus, the likelihood that they'll encounter him goes up. And so mm-hmm. thankfully he has pointed me to this space to communicate to this demographic. And it's been, it's been very rewarding. And I've selfishly learned a lot, even though my children are not perfect. <laughs> They're far yeah. from it. Um, I feel Here's like I'm getting encouraged. I'm getting encouraged as, as I just stumble my way through. And so that's been, that's been really great too. Well, what I love so much about your story is that, you know, it, it seems to me, at least from the outside looking in that at no point did you sit down and say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to start this podcast and I'm going to interview all these incredible people. And then we're going to, you know, launch this marketing campaign whereby we, you know, get people to start these podcast clubs and meet in real life. And that's going to be the hook that's going to make my podcast, you know, unique among others. 
you, you know, it seems to me like you never sat down and thought that, but God had a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I tell people I'm not strategic. And last yeah. time I told that to someone, they're like, I think you are. I think <laughs> it's just that you know what people want and then you meet the need. And I said, well, that's fine. Anytime I've tried some like marketing gurus method, it fails miserably. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just, it doesn't fit me. It doesn't fit my personality. I don't think it fits my audience. And so, yeah, God's way better at this. Yeah, God's better at this. Well, and and to me, you know what you need. Right. Or, or at least you're you're reaching out for what you need. And in the process, it turns out that that's what a lot of other moms need. Right. And so I, I think that is the beauty of community is once we enter into, uh, you know, community with each other, we find we're not alone in so many of our struggles and so many of our fears and, um you know, I think that has been what's happened. If there's any strategy, it's, you know, yes, you know what other women need, but it's because it's what you need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's what I need. And mm-hmm. and so I love that. Um, well, and I think like you were saying this before kids, after kids line, when I entered motherhood, I was a speech language pathologist with an emphasis on zero to three child development. So I thought I'd be a rock star, amazing mom. But all this skill set, I love crafts, I love kids, and it was way harder than I planned. Oh, yeah. But I was the go-getter when it came to inviting people over, going, leaving the house, seeing people. Like I, My worst days were when we stayed home. Mm-hmm. And so... I knew what it was like to do this motherhood thing alongside other moms. What happened in my story is I let that go away. The more boys I had and the harder my husband's job got and the just the more stretched we became, I pulled back, pulled back, pulled back from people, partly because of that pride again that I just didn't want to look bad. And because I was stretched so thin and because I have boys that do whatever they want whenever they want, I just would be in scenarios where we just looked bad, like (laughs) peeing in public places and, you know, hitting kids and biting. And so I was like, forget that. I don't need you people. I'm just going to just do us and try to make it through. And so that's when I had my almost complete meltdown and saw a counselor and realize, okay, let's roll back and figure out where, where did I miss something? And a lot of it was, um, not recognizing that the people in my world really cared about me and loved me and they weren't expecting me to be perfect. And they were willing to give me grace that I wasn't willing to give myself, but because I didn't even let them try to, I just decided for them, I'm too much for them. We're too loud for them. Nobody wants four boys over to play. We're going to break something. Or how many times was it so dramatic by the time we left? I feel like I dropped one son off at a house. And while I was talking to the mom, another son got a bloody nose in the car. And it just felt like we were always just a mess. And who wants to be friends with a mess? And so I decided for them that they didn't have enough grace for me. And I don't want that for their moms. I want to be the Titanic. Like, don't go that way. There's an iceberg ahead. Like, yeah. Go well, the other way. You 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 let your like we all so often do, you let your insecurities and your fears and perhaps maybe a little bit of your own pride, right? Yeah. Drive your decisions rather than mm-hmm. you know, allowing others to give you grace. And giving ourselves grace and allowing other people to give us grace is often harder than 
giving people grace. You know, it's it's often the hardest thing is to accept it for ourselves. And so, and, you know, we've got another boy mom yeah. sitting in the room with us. Yes. Michelle's got three <laughs> boys. And so I think, you know, you guys should, you have solidarity with Start each other. support group of peen in public. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> where it's appropriate, where it's not. But I would like to hear from you, Heather, how having four boys um, in the span of six years, how that shaped your experience as a mother, especially because you were saying, you know, I thought that I had this in the bag. I was a crafty mom. I love to be on the go, um, which I am exactly the same. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, and we thought we would have girls too. We have all nieces in the family. And then uh, the first boy came and we were surprised. And then the second boy, and then the third boy. And I'm like, whoa, this is really different. And this shapes me as a mom. Um, how did that shape you, not only being the mom of boys, um, but having them so close together without a lack of community, with a lack of community at that time. Yeah, I think, well, one thing I th motherhood does at any stage, whether you have one or four or 10, is you at some point learn you're not in control. Mm -hmm. And that lesson mm -hmm. is hard. It is really hard. Um, I still falsely believe I'm in control of their tone of voice or how they respond to their brother and if they're going to hit. And no child is controllable, but with boys, there's so much more in your face about it. <laughs> like mm -hmm. some girls too, I'm not going to discount. There's a lot of girls too that have that, that personality that's going to push back. But then there's also the real compliant little girls and, um, they respond to your tone of voice and they want to please. And I didn't have any of those <laughs> boys, um, that we're wanting to please, uh, maybe the oldest now, I mean, there's oldest child scenario, but yeah. Um, I just think that I learned quickly. Well, not quickly. Nope. Slow and hard. I learned slow <laughs> and hard that it was quickly. Someday. I wish yeah. it would have been quicker. Um, I'm still learning how out of control they are, but I think then there's this release. And the other thing it shaped in me is where my identity came from. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of it was how good did my kids look, then I'm good. Um, if, if they perform well, then I'm a good mom. And just really learning, even a lot of the mentors that I have have had kids uh, live lives that aren't what we desire for our kids to live lives. And they've had to, as adult mom, moms of adults, come to grips with the grace of that's not defining who I am. Their behavior doesn't get to dictate my qualifications of a good or a bad mom and what does good and bad even mean anymore. Like, what is that? Uh, if, if my cousin's son drowned, is she a bad mom? Mm -hmm. You know, um, the sweet little girl that we're all praying for who fell out of a golf cart and had a brain injury. Like, is she, that's... That's not you're a bad parent moment. Um, That's we live in a broken world and hard things happen. And then our kids are their own people with their own, you know, nature. And they're going to make choices down the road. And I think the more I've been able to separate that, I can like Karis wisely instructed me on my podcast to keep the behavior in a basket separate from me and so separate from them. And so I can still love them and not love the behavior, but I can also keep whether they're happy or sad or whatever choices they make separate from me. So I don't become codependent on, 
I'm only okay if you're okay. I'm only good if you're good. That lesson has come earlier and hopefully um, stays with me. And I think it's allowed me to be in community with friends um, where we do that for each other, where our kids can be jerks and we're okay. I'm okay because she gets it. She mm-hmm. gets that I'm doing the best that I can. She's yeah. heard me parent this child. She gets that that child had had a bad day or that's a bad moment. She loves my child. And so it's getting to the point in relationships where you can experience that together. And and I think not all mom friends are that for me. Not yeah. all mom friends extend that grace to me. And they're still dealing with their own junk that kids behaving perfectly makes us good moms. And so they're not my people. Yeah. (laughs) When we're having a hard season, that's not who I'm going to plan a family play date with or go on a family trip with. But the ones who've like had to sort that out for themselves and have kids that are kind of outside the box kids, we can connect in a way that other moms and I, we have to maybe have a girl's night out or, you know, do a mom only thing. Well, and, and, you know, I I don't know that it's just this two categories, but my my dad always used to kind of tell me, there are asset friends and there are liability friends. Right. Uh, and it doesn't mean that the liability friends are bad people or they're bad friends. They're just mm-hmm. in a place in their life or have circumstances that for whatever reason, you know, on that balance sheet in terms of, of your own, you know, mental health when you interact with your community, they can have a little bit of a drain because they need to be built into mm-hmm. versus asset friends are the ones that can build it into us. And, and uh, you know, very often I know I'm a liability friend to other people at times, mm-hmm. um, but I can also be an asset to, to others. And so I think being able to, you know, we don't want to put people in boxes, but being able to kind of think about it on this spectrum um, can help moms know, you know, you don't have to, um, you don't have to open up your your heart and share your deepest vulnerabilities with somebody who might be on that sort of liability side of the spectrum. Um, it might not be wise to do that um, and, and to seek out time with people who build you up. So, you know, and, and I think, um, you know, how, how that has shaped your experience as a mother has been profound and and something else I know about you and and maybe others know this too is that uh, you're married to a guy who's an entrepreneur and yeah. um, you and I have this in common I I am married to an entrepreneur as well and I I like to call it being a startup wife mm-hmm. um, it can be really stressful and um, and I know that uh, especially when you're going through all of the things that we all have kind of described in terms of becoming a mom and how that changes your identity and how you're just seeking this community. Uh, When you have a husband who either because he's an entrepreneur or for whatever other reason is working so much that he is just not there uh, very often, um, that can have a a, a hard kind of impact on, on you. And so I'm just curious if you, you know, if you had any things that you did at the time that helped you and how you dealt with that added stress. Yeah. We've done this a few times to the point that our friends are like, now where does Bruce work now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What does he do? I mean, they're like, I think he's got about a year left at this one. Um, so I think we've done it. We're doing it better now. 
which is good. It's always good to learn, live and learn. Um, as he's grown, as I've grown, uh, I think the worst season was when we, our youngest was a baby and I was going through my own isolating from my friends because of Mm -hmm. just my overwhelm of all the kids going all the places and not being able to manage, um, which is just real. I mean, there's the realness, there's the pride, but it's just a lot of kids going every which way. (laughs) Uh, And you just, you really do. You're like, I want to keep them all safe. And so that feels like that might not be safe to take them all by myself somewhere. Um, but then emotionally, I think what he was physically exhausting because he was getting like two hours of sleep every night, including the weekends, which is not sustainable, but he did it for years. And then, um, I mean, I don't know how they do it, but yeah. yeah. And then when he is there, he's physically present, but like not fully engaged. Right. And so the boys, when they were little, probably didn't know that he wasn't getting much sleep. I mean, they knew he was there in the morning and breakfast and he was there at every dinner and putting them to bed, but I know the best version of him and they weren't getting that. But then because of entrepreneurship, then you get seasons where he's home all the time. And so then you have to like totally shift gears again because now, okay, I don't usually do it that way. I usually clean up the dishes when I'm making dinner. I like let them sit in the sink and now we're doing it every meal. Oh, that's stressing me out. So but, you know, he's there at, as he could be a coach and so really involved in seasons. And then what I think we've added in to help our marriage uh, in the last. So my dad passed away two years ago, which was a big strain mm. on top of all these other strains. And then my mom lived with us while she went through cancer treatment. So she was diagnosed right before my dad was diagnosed and passed away. And so then she was going through cancer treatment and lived with us. And so we had to integrate some rhythms into our marriage to right. survive that season. And a couple of things we added. Um, one is the, you know, everyone's like date night, date night. That's fine. We use that for fun and like going to concerts or whatever, going to a fun restaurant. But Saturday morning walks are saving our life. Like, and our marriage and literally game changer. Um, I felt like it went from just uh, a relationship that wasn't on the same page all all the time to just really like you are physically doing walking alongside each other. I feel like we're more aligned. Mm -hmm. I feel um, we'll spend maybe half the walk talking about what I'm doing in my ministry and maybe half about his work. And then, you know, some time talking about parenting. But it just is a really, really treasured time that we protect um, to just we'll walk for an hour around the neighborhood. And uh, so we've kept that every Saturday. And I got the idea from Shauna Nequist, who I think got the idea from Rebecca Lyons. And Rebecca Lyons lived in New York City and would just go to her like she brought the baby monitor and they would sit on their back porch of their apartment in New York. No, it's not like a porch. Yeah. What's that called? Like that little balcony. Anyway, balcony with, you know, maybe they have a glass of wine and they would talk and it was just their connection time. And so I think that's really important to figure out in your schedule. It may not be a Saturday morning walk. You have little kids, um, but maybe it's once they're in bed, you meet, you know, on the couch. We did that for years. Okay. We're going to yeah. turn off all electronics and we're just going to meet on the couch and maybe it's five minutes. Maybe it's an hour. Um, I think it's less intimidating to guys when you're side by side, they feel less attacked. And <laughs> with all of the things we want to talk right, about. Right. 
Remember. Oh, and I I remembered another thing we added in a few years ago was every morning before he leaves for work or I go off somewhere or he takes the kids to school, we meet in the kitchen and just hug and pray over each other. And it's maybe three minutes total. It's not very long. But typically in that prayer, I'm getting to hear a little bit of what's heavy on his heart for the day. He's acknowledging that he knows what's heavy on my heart for the day. And so we're kind of seeing each other that way. And um, I think long term... I'm hopeful that the boys see that as like unique and special to their storyline. They, they see that we're on the same team to, yeah. to start the day. Yeah. And um, well, there's just like rhythms. I'm, I'm big on the rhythm thing. Big on the rhythm thing. And, yeah. and I think, you know, we all hear so often have date nights with your husband. It's super important and it, it's great. Um, and we should do that if we can, but I know that people go through seasons where that's just really hard to do, you know, financially it can be very expensive. It can be, we've now hit this stage where my oldest can babysit. And it's amazing when you get to that. I mean, that is hope for, for moms who are sitting here right now thinking I will never be able to leave the house without my children Mm -hmm. ever again, or I'm going to have to find a babysitter. I promise you they get to a stage where you can leave them and it's, and it's incredible. It's wonderful. Um, but you know, there, there are just these phases where having a, you know, quote unquote date where you go to a restaurant or you go do an activity is just either not financially feasible or it's, you know, it's stressful. And then you end up really, like you said, not connecting in a, meaningful way mm-hmm. because the focus is on, okay, we're getting to the restaurant, we're sitting down, we're ordering or we're on the clock you with know, the sitter. We're on the clock yeah, with the sitter. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I feel like there's pressure when you're sitting across from each other to make it meaningful. Oh, sure. So then that's the, that's probably the last, I'm not going to bring up something that's bothering me. That's going to make me cry in public and right. you mm-hmm. want it to be fun, but then you're not really dealing with those underlying issues or things right. that are bothering you. So they stay. So I don't know. I just, I felt like, now that we have the other ry- rhythms built in, the date night can just be we enjoy each other. We remember why right. we married each other. We can have fun together. Yeah. And the business stuff can be handled at other moments. And the connection time right. is happening on a regular basis. But because, um, yeah, yeah. It's those little things yeah. that add up over time, I think, that make a big, the biggest difference. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be. that. Sometimes we think, oh, it's got to be this major deal. I will say that one thing that was helpful, too, when our kids were younger is um, our parents didn't live in town, but if they were ever visiting over a weekend, we would take advantage of that and do our like do a date on a Friday night, but go to a hotel overnight mm. yeah. and then just sleep in, which was like a yeah. dream. Go yeah. to a breakfast, maybe go find a coffee house and read and be back by lunch or by nap time. And the kids haven't missed you except for breakfast, really, and like playing in the morning. And you are, it's amazing what a boost it is to your marriage. And it's like less than 24 hours, but um, that quarterly or once a year, it's amazing. That's great. Sounds like you guys have been so intentional, even through these busy seasons of kids and starting businesses to just contain, maintain that heart connection. And I'm sure your, your kids see that. And that probably brings a lot of security to the home. Wow. I hope. We hope. They tell me. They tell me they they don't feel safe, but whatever. Oh, <laughs> they're just being boys. <laughs> they're being boys. My youngest asked for us to adopt a five year old girl, so when his bigger brothers beat him up, he has someone to comfort him. 
Oh, that's so oh. sweet. <laughs> Which I was like, what am I, chopped liver? I mean, yeah. and why are your brothers beating you up? That's the next question. Like, what? when is that happening? I don't right. see that. And, so. and maybe not a, a good primary reason to uh, <laughs> I think there's yeah. a lot more that goes into having a sister than just someone yes. to come to, But I love yes. her. I love how yes. sweet that yes. is. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so, Heather, a lot of how we parent stems from our own upbringing, right? So I'd love to hear about your upbringing. I know you've mentioned your parents. Um, how was the way you were raised, how has that impacted you um, as an adult and how you raise your boys? Well, good question. I I was raised in a family. Um, my parents married very young. They actually eloped. Uh, my mom was pregnant with my oldest sister and she was 16 and my dad was 20. And wow. instead of giving, yeah, they were, my, my grandparents wanted my mom to move to Arizona and, um, give my sister, uh, put her up for adoption and they, uh, chose instead to elope. And so, um, my, they had my sister, then they had my brother five years later and then 11 years later had me and two years wow. after that had my younger brother. Yeah. So my mom says that my older siblings had the young, fun, not saved parents, or maybe saved like a little bit into my siblings' childhood. And then we had the older, wiser, wealthier, (laughs) had already learned grace parents. Um, So, yeah, I think they were really, really super intentional by the time they got to us because they'd done this one time around once already. Um, I was homeschooled from third through eighth grade. My dad would take me on little donut dates um, every other week. We'd go to a donut shop, bring my Precious Moments Bible, read a little devotional, and then pray together. Um, My mom was someone who always was discipling gals in our home. So she'd have people in our home and she would be teaching them how to live the Christian life. And um, my dad taught a Bible study for businessmen and women um, every Tuesday and Thursday. And so I just saw, and then they were also very passionate about politics. And my mom was um, someone who did a lot of work with the pro-life movement. And so I just saw them live out their faith uh, intentionally. My dad was every morning up on his trampoline, praying while he would jog in place. It doesn't make sense, but he would (laughs) jog in place and pray and then read his Bible. Um, And I just saw them live it out. And then I also saw them take their specific gifts and interests and missionally apply it to the world. So it wasn't just for inside our home. Um, So that was modeled for me. I don't, I didn't know any other way. So, um, and it wasn't an if, what am I, like, will I use my gifts? How, how will I use my gifts? Um, so I definitely think that that's impacted me. I do think uh, the thing I battle, which is more personality than something put on me, is just this performance thing. So making sure, even with my kids, that I love them outside of performance. Um, yeah. And that goes alongside with that shaping of a mom that I'm not... Um, performing well because he's performing well that I have to separate that identity um piece but yeah 
we, we have, you know, chatted a lot about that, what you just said, the, the performance driven parenting. We've, we've talked a lot about that because I think that, you know, depending on your, your personality, like you said, that is something that we can almost take upon ourselves, even if it wasn't modeled for us. Yeah. But I know a lot of yeah. people have that experience uh, in their own families that their parents, you know, they had to perform, they had to do good, they had to look good, they had to yeah. say the right things, mm-hmm. it, especially within Christian context, you know, there, and it can be really damaging. Um, but it sounds like your upbringing, you just had really intentional parents. And I can see how that intentionality has, um, extended into your own parenting. Um, and I mean, I'll share about me, this isn't about me, but, um, I just think, uh, you know, for a lot of our listeners, they, they just think, well, that's great that you guys had great parents, you know, and I had incredible parents. I mean, my dad is Dr. Tim Kimmel. He wrote <laughs> great parent. He kind of wrote the book on parenting. Wrote the right? book. Um, and, um, and so I had that example growing up and my mom in particular, she's just a super high capacity person. She's very organized. She is very intentional. She's very disciplined, you know, very self-disciplined. And she, yeah, she'd be up at the crack of dawn, reading her Bible, praying. I would see this every day from both of my parents. Um, and so part of my experience of isolation, becoming a mom was realizing that the idea of a perfect mom that I had in my mind, my own mom, that I was not going to be able to live up to that standard. And she was not putting that on me, just like you said, you know, they were not putting any of that pressure on me. Um, I was putting it on myself because I, I, you know, so loved my parents and I appreciated, um, how they were intentional with us and how they really, you know, created this gracious atmosphere in our home, not just created it with us. I mean, we lived this out, but they also taught about this and, and wrote about it. And, um, and so when I thought about, okay, how do I want a parent? I wanted to be just like my mom. Well, I am not like my mom. She is type A. I am type J, whatever that is, <laughs> down in the alphabet. I don't know what her Enneagram number is, but I'm a seven. She's, a one. She's, probably, She's a one. probably a one. She's probably a one. A lot of Christian women that generation are ones and twos. Right. Those so, are the choices. Or nines. They're like allowed that area. They're not allowed. Right. <laughs> it feels allowed like. Express yeah. their seven-ness, right? <laughs> and so I am all the way a seven. And I'm all about, I'm, it's about fun. And experience and, and, uh, connecting with beauty and chaos in a good way. Like, you know, I also have ADHD, so that could be a part of me, you know, it's part of me. It's not all of me, but I went through so much shame that I had brought on myself because I was never going to live up to this standard that I had created in my mind of what a good mom looks like. Right. Um, and so a big, uh, a big part of my journey has been recognizing, first of all, grieving that, that ideal, right? Mm-hmm. Grieving it and saying, yeah, that was what I thought I was going to be and should be. And that's what my mom is. And that's great. But that's not who I am. That's not how God made me. And I can be a, a grace-based great mom, you know, mm-hmm. whatever great mom means, but I can be the best mom that God created me to be in a completely different way. And it's going to look totally different mm-hmm. than how, you know, how my mom sort of 
rolled out and lived out and expressed her herself as a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you, M- Michelle. Yeah. If if you've kind of if yeah. you feel like you parent like your mom or are so much different than your mom, um, we are different. Probably in a, my mom was pretty hands off. I mean, very grace based home, but um, she's probably more like you, like a seven. Yeah, <laughs> and and I've kind of swayed and been. Uh, I've kind of become more yeah. of a type A, I'm a three achiever, like, let's go, we need to put yeah. systems in place. And so, yeah. but again, that's where grace comes in, right? We're not cookie cutters of each other. No, we're, we're not, not robots. Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful about all of us as moms. We have our unique gifts and abilities and talents and, mm-hmm. um, and the kids that God has given us all are unique. Right. Um, and that's why I love, you know, the grace-based message. And Heather, I know you have heard about the grace-based message and, can you tell us about how you were introduced to it? Um, was it a blogging conference? And then, and also how that's impacted you as a mom and with your community. Yeah, Karis, was it meeting you? I mean, I think so. The way I remember it is that we met at a blogging conference. At the table. And, yeah, we were sitting next to each other. And you, I mean, just to kind of go back to what we started talking about at the beginning of the show, I think we met right kind of at the cusp of you deciding you were going to start blogging. Like, I, I feel like I remember you saying something like, like that was my first blogging I'm conference. Not blogging, yeah. I'm podcasting. You had mm. been blogging. Oh, it was that transition. Conference. Yeah. Okay. And you're like, Hey, there's a, I, there's this thing called podcasting that I think I'm going to try, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, so that's how we met. But, um, you know, tell us if you would indulge us, um, learning about, the grace-based message and, um, and how you think maybe that's impacted you. Yeah. I think that, you know, when even just with sleep training your kids, right. Mm -hmm. The amount of resources I had 14 years ago versus now, you know, they're pretty limited. Um, and I think the choices I was given back then for just, I'm just going to simplify it to sleep training were, three options and they all differed with each other. (laughs) And so when it came to discipline, it was like, okay, we had one option that the Christians were being given and it didn't jive with me. And Mm -hmm. I didn't like how I felt afterwards. And I tend towards yelling as a way to gain control when I feel out of control um, Mm -hmm. from a place of fear, like afraid that something's going to happen to them or afraid that I'm going to fail or afraid of other people's opinions of me from that place of fear, I go to anger. And so when you tell me that I'm going to now, you know, use this discipline method and then I use it, then I don't feel good about it. And it doesn't create the change that I'd hoped. And it definitely doesn't keep the relationship that I'm going for. Um, or hope for. And so, cause I'm a four on the Enneagram. So I feel all the things, yeah. lots of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to do this well. So when I found grace-based parenting, I was like, this, you know, this feels better. This feels more in line with the gospel. This feels more in line with what my heart is for my kids and long-term and what I've experienced. And then actually it was um, our first year at Pine Cove family camp. This was, I think we just went for our seventh summer. The speaker that year was using your dad's book as the curriculum for the week. Awesome. So we got as, you know, husband and wife side by side, a deep dive into it. And so I think that that really helped, you know, kind of transition us from this wishy-washy, we're not picking any method. 
which every day is like a new inspiration for discipline um, to in reaction. I was just a reacting like a pinball machine. Uh, now I'm going to try this way. Now I'm going to try this way to like get on the same page and, and find a way that fit our personalities a little bit more. Um, it really matches how my husband was raised. Um, so anyway, that's a little bit of my story. Uh, the trick for me is implementing consistently. Right. I'm just not a consistent person because of the emotional side of me. I'm, I don't tend to respond consistently like yeah. they tell you you're supposed to. All the shoulds. So. Yeah. Well, and it is so hard. And um, and when I was writing my book, Grace, Grace-Based Discipline, kind of based on grace-based parenting, but trying yeah. to break down that discipline portion of it in a, in a yeah. practical way that people can put into practice, you know, I, I recognize just in my own experience that, um, yeah, it's those emotions that really stop us from being able to do what we know we should do. Um, you know, we just go into a primal part of our brain. That's this, you know, flight, fright, uh, fight or flight. (laughs) Flight, Yes. Right. Or freeze, you know, either freeze, we either, yeah, get combative or angry or we are scared and we do nothing, you know, get locked up. And so, uh, and, and run away from, from those things. And so, you know, I, one of the things I do in my book is I teach a, um, a mental exercise that helps, moms and dads to de-escalate their own emotions. Um, And I kind of learned about this through talking with my brother, who is a Phoenix firefighter. He's a first responder. And, you know, they had to learn to do this. They have specific training that teaches them basically how to quickly come out of that uh, fight or flight Mm -hmm. or freeze uh, instinct that is, is built into all of us by God for good reason. Mm -hmm. But, um, but then to be able to engage our thinking brain and our analytical brain and decide what we need to do. And uh, it is such a hard switch, but um, I'm just glad there are people who've studied these things and, you know, could help me understand it so that I could, you know, hopefully translate it a little bit for parents. But you're right, it's hard. Doing it consistently, doing it when you're um, angry or scared or, or, just tired and overwhelmed it is hard. Um, but I, you know, knowing you personally, um, you are, you were already a grace-based mom. I just think that it helps to have, um, it helps to have a framework. It helps to have a common language. And, and the fact that you and your husband kind of learned about, d- took that deep dive together, helps you be on the same page with this kind of stuff. And, well, and I think uh, refreshers are good. I think seasons like going through the season where my mom lived with us, we actually mm-hmm. developed a lot of bad habits as a family from kind of her influence in in the home. And so we've had to recover a little bit from that. And we're still recovering, like giving each other space to make mistakes. That was a big conversation at dinner the other night. Like, yeah, you make mistakes. I make mistakes. I need your forgiveness. I need to forgive you. We all make mistakes instead of jumping on each other every time a little thing is said wrong or done wrong. I feel like we're not allowing each other the space to make mistakes. And so it's just constantly checking back in on it. I don't think it's like one and done and you figured it out all the time. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's a constantly moving target as well. Yeah. 
because mm-hmm. our families are are constantly changing. Like, yeah, the developmental stages and yeah. right mm-hmm. and major ma- major life um, you know circumstances like caring for a you know an aging parent or an ill parent or having them live with you or you know all of that stuff. Just really, that's why I think grace is so important because there are a thousand ways we could approach something, and a lot of those ways are quote unquote right ways. You know, some of them are quote unquote wrong ways. So it's not so much about following a method as it is understanding grace and deciding that you're going to give the people that you love, you know, the, as much freedom as possible, deciding that you're going to treat the people you love the way that God treats us. And Mm -hmm. with that sort of unconditional favor and acceptance, and it doesn't mean no rules, obviously, um, or no, uh, you know, there's no pushback, there's no conflict. It just simply means that within this greater context, we are accepting the grace that, that Christ gives us. And then we're turning around and giving as much grace to others as we would hope that they would give us, you know, especially on our worst day, especially in the times that we make mistakes. So, yeah, Heather, right. The last thing I really want, I'd love for our listeners to hear is before we started recording, you shared with us um, a verse that has wow. really been <laughs> important in this season of your life. And that kind of ties into what we were talking about um, with grace-based, the grace-based message and, and being in a grace-based community. Would you mind sharing that real quick? Yeah. So at our, we had a live event Friday night and uh, the gal who had started the five podcast clubs, she hosted the event and she had printed these programs and on it, she had the message version of this book, which I, uh, of this book, of this verse. It's from First Thessalonians 5, 11. It says, so speak encouraging words to one another, build up hope. So you'll all be together in this. No one left out, no one left behind. And I think there are so many times we count ourselves out. Mm-hmm. We don't give ourselves the grace um, because we don't gather, because we don't allow someone else to speak those encouraging words to us and to allow them to build up hope. This won't be your forever. You're doing, you're loving them. You're pouring into them. They're growing, they're developing. When you can only see the hard thing today, you need that other mom to come next to you and say, you know what? I know this is hard. And you did such a great job handling that with patience and grace. I mean, I, this summer had a week where we went to three different friends pools to go swimming. And one of my children who has sensory integration issues had an hour and a half meltdown at each place. And, Fun you time. know, it's embarrassing. Yes. It's annoying. I want to be with talking to my friend. I want my kids to just be having fun and I'm getting kicked and yelled at and hit and, um, called names. And one of my friends was just like, you handle that so well. And I know that it's hard. And to me, the old Heather would have wanted to isolate and be like, forget it. We're never going to go to a friend's pool. So embarrassing. I can't believe you're so embarrassing. And it was so much more rewarding to love him through that with grace and to have that friend be a be with me that invitation to witness I invited her into this hard part of parenting and let her see it and to receive just the encouragement and the hope 
um, so that I'm not left out and I'm not left behind just because my child has unique challenges. So that's my encouragement to y'all. Don't let yourselves be left out or left behind just because something's hard in your life. A marriage issue, a work issue, a financial issue. Um, I know there's there's someone out there that's willing to give you that grace and acceptance you're looking for. I love that. That's great. That's incredible. And and um, you know, that that final piece of advice from you to just don't don't count yourself out. Mm-hmm. Don't um, assume that others can't love you for exactly who you are. Because we're and what you said earlier is you felt like you were too much and we're never yeah, too, too much. Yeah. We're, never yeah. too, we're never too much for the Lord. And we might be surprised by uh, how others will accept us if mm-hmm. we just let them. And that's that, that's that power of vulnerability. Vulnerability is hard, mm-hmm. it, but it's courageous. It doesn't make us weak. It actually makes us strong and it builds others up. And like it says in First Thessalonians, our, our words matter. Yeah. What we say to each other can either wound or it can heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and and that's why I love how you're encouraging women is that, you know, we, we're going to have these moments in our lives, in our days um, where, you know, and we have to make these split second decisions often. Are we going to use our words right now to wound either our kids, our spouse, mm-hmm. ourselves? our friends, or are we going to use them to give hope and to encourage and to heal wounds um, that we all come with? And so thank you so much, Heather, for joining us today. Thank you for your um, heart for God. Thank you for how you um, just, you really desire to use your gifts to bless the kingdom. And I know you do. You bless me. And um, I have, I have enjoyed being on your incredible podcast and I've just enjoyed your friendship over the years and and watching you. Well so. I appreciate y'all yes. letting me chat on your show. This is fun. Absolutely. No and for our listeners, you can connect with Heather at don'tmomalone.com and at don't mom alone on Facebook and Instagram. And we'd love to be praying for you. So please send us your prayer requests at family at familymatters.net or reach out to us on our social media channels. But thanks so much for being with us, Heather. And I can't wait to listen back and process and <laughs> take in all your words of wisdom. So thank you. Thank you all. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Grace-Based Families Podcast. This is part of Family Matters Ministries. For more podcasts and resources, check us out on familymatters.net slash podcast or stream us on all major podcast platforms. Once again, this is Karis and Michelle. Until next time.